All right, everybody, and welcome back to the Steel City Blitz Steelers podcast presented by Deck Roofing Incorporated of South Florida. It has been a couple weeks. We hope everybody's well, and uh, of course, the NFL stuff is uh, uh, kind of slow right now. We're, we're not into the official dead period, but um, it might as well be because there's not a whole lot of stuff going on. I don't know how ESPN does it every morning. They they consistently talk about the same thing every day, pretty much since the end of March. But uh, be that as it may, uh, we got a number of things to dive into Steelers wise tonight. And uh, joining me to do that will, of course, is uh, Ian and Ben. And uh, gentlemen, I hope that you are both well on this fine late spring evening here in June. We're not quite to summer yet, although many parts of the country feeling like it uh ian how are things in the steel city tonight things are pretty good pretty good um the state of pennsylvania actually today uh just released some new guidelines for um sports organizations so um all the way from youth sports up to professional sports um so it's uh you know been an interesting day i read through them this morning and uh they do have some guidelines for, um, you know, having games and having practices. So as far as what we're concerned, uh, professional sports, um, basically they're allowed to have practices um, and play uh, in the current or in the quote unquote yellow phase. So Pennsylvania has this red, yellow, green kind of thing. So Allegheny County where Pittsburgh is, is in the green mm-hmm. phase right now. Some other counties around the state are still in yellow. Um, so in yellow, you're allowed to practice um, in green you're allowed to play and you're allowed to have up to 250 people um, present on site during a game of any type um, without having to submit a plan to the state for approval. But they also have this. No, this is professional. This is pro. 250. Yeah. Well, here's the thing. 250 without submit 250 people present without submitting a plan. Now they also include this clause professional sports organizations that want to play or practice with more than 250 people on site or directly outside must submit a plan to the department of health for approval. So in theory, the Steelers, which have an outside stadium could submit a plan to the Mm -hmm. department of health and get approval to have more than 250 people on site. Um, Like I said, these regulations were just released this morning. So, Mm -hmm. um, you know, everyone's still kind of trying to figure out what they all mean. There's a lot of kind of deference to the CDC guidelines, things like that. Um, But there's also a lot of weight, even at the the lower levels with like youth sports, collegiate sports, amateur sports, a lot of weight is put on um, the sports organization. You know, coaches and staff have to do a lot of things. The, you know, whatever the sponsor, whether it's like a little league organization or a youth football or whatever, has to put together the plan and have it approved and all that. So um, a lot of weight is put on the the leagues and the coaches themselves to kind of administer things. Um, but we'll see where it goes. And it's another step, you know, closer towards having football again you know they essentially have approval to have games um maybe yeah. not with fans at this point but they have approval to have games so that's another step in the right direction and uh yeah and and you know it's important to get that information and and like we were talking before we started recording uh, is the fact that so many people do come from outside of of PA to to come in for games and stuff and and if they aren't aware of what the Pennsylvania state laws are 
um, you know, that could impact things. Obviously, the Steelers do a pretty good job of, of uh, getting the message out there via social media and stuff about what's what's going on and what's not. But still, it is uh, obviously important to know. Um, ben, you're obviously out on uh, the opposite side of uh, of the country and things, and, and um, um, hopefully things are going well with you, I assume, out there. Look like a nice day yeah. in Portland. Yeah, it was a great day. It was fantastic. Let's talk some football. Yes, let's do it. Uh, the Steelers, of course, uh, announced, and, and I guess some ways forced to announce because the NFL told uh, all 32 teams that they were not going to be doing training camps anywhere other than their facilities this year. Um, so that put an end to a 53-year run at uh, St. Vincent College in Latrobe. And, you know, you guys have been there multiple times. I've been there multiple times for training camp. And um, I, I absolutely do feel for those that had trips planned this year. It, it is an amazing thing if you're a Steeler fan. Um, but, you know, now there's talk about some of this being done at Heinz Field, uh, Ben. I mean, what we know what it looks like in Latrobe. Um, Heinz Field does not look anything like Latrobe in terms of the amenities and the things that players and coaches need to do. So what do you think this is going to look like? I, in terms of space, and, and that's the issue, you only have one field, obviously, at Heinz Field. Uh, in Latrobe, they have four. They have three grass fields and they have one turf field mm-hmm. that they can practice on depending on what the conditions are. And they can spread out. They can run drills on all the fields, some of the fields, one of the fields, whatever, you know. Um, so it, it it just gives them a lot more space to work on. I tend to believe what's going to happen is they'll do some scrimmages at Heinz that, yeah. you know, that the fans can attend. Um, obviously won't be able to interact with the players as they've done in previous years, but yeah. they'll be able to watch, which for the fans, that'll be cool. Um, and I, you know, they're they're not going to be able to go to the facility and watch practice like they can when it's at St. Vincent. So I, I just think the Steelers are trying to throw them a bone, basically, and just say, hey, we're going to try and practice here regularly or semi-regularly and, and scrimmage so you guys can watch it. Uh, now, they've got limitations on how long they can make guys practice, mm-hmm. uh, how many days per week, et cetera. Uh, but they have they have more space at the facility than they do at Heinz Field. As well, they have things like meeting rooms. I mean, I'm right. sure they could take spaces in Heinz Field and they could convert them to meeting rooms very easily mm-hmm. if they wanted oh, yeah. to. Um, but there's also a requirement from the league that states that the teams are required to have te- to have position meetings and unit meetings, like the whole offense or the mm-hmm. whole defense, meet outside as often as possible. <laughs> in order to lower the risk, you know, for for transmission of this virus. Now, you know, the the flip side of that is, is like we were talking about before this this all started. Right. Is these guys, when they practice and when they play, are going to be right up against one another, and you know, spit will be flying, and not intentionally, but spit will be right. flying, and there'll be a lot of heavy breathing, and you know, uh, I don't know how you avoid transmitting a virus under those circumstances, but they're going to do what they can do to protect the players regardless and, and still try and put a product on the field. So, you know, we'll kind of see how this all works out. I, uh, I don't know. 
I, I I think first of all, I think it's great that Ian has offered up his skybox as one of the meeting areas um, <laughs> there in Heinz Field. I, I, very noble of you, um, Ian. What what is the over over at the facility? Um, you know, many fans are are very very aware of of what is at the Steelers facility away from Heinz Field, but um, you know, as Ben alluded to, that seems to me to be a much better place to hold uh, a training camp uh, i mean what, what are there three fields over there i think plus some other stuff yeah they've got a whole bunch of stuff especially and the other thing they're going to have to kind of figure out too is they share that facility with the university of pittsburgh Ooh, um yeah. so i'm not really sure what the plan is for college football this year um i don't think that's really been said at this point but you know right. they're gonna True. have to figure out you know kind of limiting the number of people within the facility at any given time, um, you know, the number of, uh, you know, just people between classrooms, training rooms, all that kind of stuff. Um, and there are, there's four um, football fields down there um, that they, there's one of sort of pits that Pitt usually uses, mm-hmm. I'll say more typically. And, um, you know, th- uh, three other uh, grass ones that the Steelers typically use, but um, there are four. They're not full size fields, I don't think, but um, they're they're fields. Yeah, and, it, and it is very unique what the Steelers have. I, I don't. Are there any other pro teams that have such a, a relationship where they have a college team with them? I, I don't think so. I'm not um, sure. And, and and they do share Heinz Field with Pitt too. Don't forget. So I mean, it, right, you know, right. their usage of Heinz Field is going to depend on when Pitt's using it as well. So. Um, but at the rate Major League Baseball is going, maybe they'll just practice at PNC Park because who the heck knows if the Pirates are going to play. And if they do play, it might be more entertaining to watch the Steelers practice there than watch the Pirates play an actual game. That's so, an excellent um, point. Excellent. But the, the one the one point I'll bring up with the, the sort of limited practice space is, you know, the Steelers do have the one practice every year at Latrobe Memorial Stadium. So they yeah. sort of have a plan and a, and a workout, I'll say, quote unquote, already in place for how they do it when they're all in one stadium mm-hmm. for a practice on one night uh but i don't think they could do that kind of consistently over time it's really hard to have you know field goal kickers and punters practicing things that take a lot of distance and receivers running routes that take a lot of distance kind of all on the same field you know it's easy to do kind of your backs on backers your lineman drills Mm -hmm. just go to a corner of the end zone you know line up a couple guys and go um that's a little bit easier in a a limited amount of space than your drills, you know, installing your playbook that actually, you know, you need to spread guys out across the whole field to do. Yeah. And you know, and if you're not, you know, a hundred percent, you know, into football to the point where you understand what goes on at camp and stuff, you, you know, they, they, they break the positions up and the position groups go off and you, you know, you could have corners working one field with safeties and stuff, and you might have linebackers working in another place and so on. And yeah, it is very, very difficult to do that um, in, in just that 100 yard area. So I, I'm fascinated to see what they do. It's it's going to be unique for everybody. Um, it's This is all kind of, uh, you know, by the seat of your pants type thing as as we, we all kind of go through this thing together. And, you know, the, the pro sports leagues obviously are, are no different. Um, so Ben, did you have any final thoughts on camp there before we move on? Nah, not really. I, you know, I, I think I'm just kind of in wait and see mode like everyone else to exactly. kind of see how exactly how this is going to unfold. And, 
and you know hopefully the guys can get work in it's a shame that the fans won't be able to interact with them like they yep. usually do yep. but but they just can't this year and we're just gonna have to deal with it and and accept the fact that at least we're getting football yeah and and that's that's kind of the way i i look at it too uh i i'm, I'm just glad the discussion is getting closer and closer to actually being on the field and um can't can't wait till it actually happens uh ian go ahead and close out this uh this this topic here if you would yeah so uh two final comments one there was a story that came out today that the nfl was potentially exploring um uh decreasing the number of preseason games uh so that's something to keep an eye on the other thing is the steelers are kind of going to be the test case for how this whole uh, mm-hmm. you know, preseason practice works because we're playing in the Hall of Fame game, which means we get to go to training camp a week earlier than everybody else except the Cowboys, um, who are also playing in the Hall of Fame game. So, um, you know, kind of depending on how the Steelers and the Cowboys go for that first couple weeks of, of training camp, um, you know, we'll be back into kind of regular practice mode at the facility while other teams are still in their quote unquote training camps. Although this year it might not look that much different, but that is one kind of advantage of playing in that Hall of Fame game is you get to start your training camp and practices a little bit earlier. So given how the situation is this mm-hmm. year, that means that the Steelers and the Cowboys now get to be the guinea pigs for the league for how well their virus policy works. Yeah, it's a really good point. I, I had heard the thing about possibly shortening preseason and I had totally forgot about the fact that, yeah, we, uh, we and the Cowboys will be starting a week ahead of everybody else. So it, it will be, we'll be the, uh, the Petri dish, if you will. Um, guys, I think one of the, the worst kept secrets in all of Pittsburgh is that Cam uh, Hayward is at some point going to get an extension. He's entering the final year of his contract. He's 31 years old. He has been a tremendous stealer. I think that goes without saying had a tremendous. great year last year, uh, despite not having uh, Stefan to most of the season, you know, next to him. Um, and, and we've, we've obviously, as we do all the time have back, you know, batted this back and forth about what, what it would look like, but, but Ben, um, you know, what, what is a potential extension looking like for, uh, for Cam Hayward? I, I think you're looking at honestly, uh, four years, 17 million per and new money. Uh, that's kind of where the market is right now. Um, it kind of that, I don't want to call it a second tier because that makes it, that makes Cam sound like he's a second tier lineman, but you got Aaron Donald making 23 million. Okay. Yeah. He's that's a top a game tier. changer. Yeah. Um, DeForest Buckner makes 21. I don't, I don't think Buckner's worth 21 personally, but either. obviously the Colts do, they gave him the money. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's, you know, he's 26 years old. He's a young player. Maybe that was what it was going to take to keep him from from jumping into free agency. Um, Donald's twenty nine, um, but after that, you've got Fletcher Cox, uh, Grady Jarrett, and JJ Watt. And they're all about seventeen million per. So my guess is, since Fletcher Cox is making seventeen point one per year, that Cam's deal will come in about seventeen one fifty per year in new money, which mm-hmm. is not cheap, but it will lower his cap hit this yep. year, 2020. And, you know, it may not lower it much, but it'll lower it some. It'll give them a little bit of room to, uh, to maybe do some other deals. Um, you've got Juju entering the last year of his deal. It wouldn't shock me if he went into the year without a deal. 
Um, you've got Bud Dupree going into the last year of his deal, uh, obviously. Um, I, you know, you got a handful of other guys that are free agents that they, they want to look at trying to potentially do extensions with. Right. And that would help a little bit. You know, there are other ways they can create some space if they want to. Um, they've also got to bear, bear in mind, they've also got to take into consideration that the cap could actually go down next year because yes. revenues could be hit by the number of fans not in the stands this year um, and, and a number of other factors. Mm-hmm. So the, the cap could go down and they've got a plan for that accordingly. Um, there are going to be some difficult decisions to make going forward not trying to put themselves too far over in 2021. So it's anybody's guess right now, but Cam is definitely a guy. If I'm the Steelers, I absolutely do that deal. I, he's been a, he's been an upstanding guy from from a, an off the field standpoint. He's an excellent player. He's consistent as hell. Uh, It's just, you know, he's a great leader in your locker room. That's a guy you want around. You want to keep. And, I don't see them letting him walk. I really don't. And then, and that, that's kind of what it's going to take. Everybody needs to chill out a little bit though. You know, it's, it's June. They've right. only been back. <laughs> they've only been yeah. back in the, in the facility for a little over two weeks. Uh, they haven't even signed the damn draft class yet. Okay. They, they're busy. They'll yeah. get to cam. Don't worry about it. Everybody needs to friggin' relax. Ian, when you look at, in Javon Hargrave, uh, who, who of course now is is across the state in Philadelphia, uh, roughly fourteen million. I mean, does when you see that, does that just automatically in your mind mean, well, if he's making that, then Cam has to make more than that? I mean, is that just a guaranteed for you? Yeah, I think I think that's the floor for Hayward. You know, Ben talked about what the ceiling is. I, I think that's the the floor yeah. for Cam. Is you know, Stefan Tuitz deals around twelve million a year. Hargrave got a. 13 to 14 in that range from Philly granted you know Philly plays a 4-3 we're playing a 3-4 it's a little bit different but um you know it's I think you you kind of have to compare Hayward with the the interior linemen whether you're talking defensive tackles or in a 4-3 or defensive ends in a 3-4 um you know that's that's kind of the point of comparison um uh, the one thing I'm going to slightly disagree with Ben on is Mm -hmm. JJ Watts only getting like 16.7, 16.8 million a year. Granted his deal, like Fletcher Cox's deal was for like a hundred million dollars. Um, and he signed it, you know, a few years ago too. So That's I mean, the thing. Watt, he, Watt was he, the top of the market when he got it, but still, yeah, he um, signed his deal in what, in, in 2017, I think so. Yeah, I think that's right. Yeah. So uh, that's the thing you got to bear in mind when, when you look at that and say, okay, here's what he's making now. I just don't think it has any bearing right now, especially when you've got guys like Cox making 17. Yeah. Yeah. So I, in that range is probably likely, um, but you know, I, I, I'm probably looking more around 16, um, which I know is semantic 16 versus 17, but um, you know, but over a four, four year deal or so, you know, that, that does equal some money. Um, The one thing I'll say is, you know, Hayward, was 30 years old last year. He's going to be 31 this year. Um, so I, I wouldn't sign him to anything after his age 35 season. So mm-hmm. that means you're looking at probably a three to four year extension on top of this year. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I'd be stunned if it goes beyond that. Um, 
I, I, I think, do you, do you view Ian, you mentioned 16 million. Do you view that 1 million as the uh, uh, classic hometown discount? Could, could he ask for 17? He could ask for whatever he wanted. I mean, yeah, yeah. you know, like Ben said, he's a, he's a leader in the locker room. He's a, he's one of those guys that you want to have as a stealer for life. And, yeah. um, you know, the team would do good by him by, you know, taking care of him for one final contract. You know, his last deal was, I think, like 53 million about total. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, if they if they do another deal at somewhere around, you know, Four years, sixteen million. Again, you're probably, you know, looking at that's a sixty-four million dollar deal. So you you get him up over a hundred million for his career. So that's, I mean, that's a. And as we've talked about before, you know, guys that the Steelers signed to these contracts, I know they don't guarantee anything after the, other than the signing bonus. So basically, nothing after the first year. But yeah. guys have a tendency to make basically all the money that they're, uh, you know, seventy-five to eighty percent of the money that they they usually are offered in a contract it's very rare that a guy makes like less than 50 percent of the money true. he's offered in a contract from the Steelers yeah very very true and uh as as we segue along here just a reminder that you're listening to the Steel City Blitz Steelers podcast presented by Deck Roofing Incorporated of South Florida uh serving Broward County and the Southern Palm Beach counties whether it's commercial residential multifamily or condos contact Deck Roofing today by visiting Deck Roofing um let's stay with the defensive line here for a little bit ben um I, you know i i think when we look back on stefan to and the fact that they got him in the second round uh there was a lot of discussion that you know he was potentially a first round guy and um you know when he's been healthy he he has flashed some some pretty damn good play um but it's the old question uh, of can he stay healthy and um it, you know how good do you think this line could be uh, if he and, and Hayward uh, stay healthy up front? If Tuitt can manage to stay healthy, he will completely mitigate the loss of Javon Hargrave. Mm. Completely. And, I, yeah, I realize that Hargrave plays nose tackle or did. Right. And, you know, the bulk of, of Tuitt's snaps come at either end or interior defensive line. But the Steelers only play the a five-man front, which is the 34. Right. The nose yes. tackle, maybe 27% of the time last year. And it goes down more every season. Every year. Yep. Because it's a passing league. So, you know, it's just not that important. That guy just isn't that important at the nose, especially on running downs where – Frankly, Hargrave wasn't very good. He, where, he, where he excelled was on passing downs, mm-hmm. penetrating and creating havoc that way. So if Tuit can stay healthy, he will completely mitigate the loss of Hargrave. Um, you know, I, I can't put it any plainer. Right. Uh, the question yeah. is, can he? I, I think Tuit is, if he's not the most talented player on that defense, he's damn close to being the most talented player on the defense. The issue has just been his availability. Yeah. He's not played he's not been available for 16 games any year but his rookie season. And that is an issue. Uh he's also had some issues, you know, with injury. Yeah. That cut back on his effectiveness when he did play. At least he did play, but he he wasn't as effective as a result of those injuries. 
and things like that, you know, over time, they, they impact your, your value to the team. It's certainly not his fault. I'm not trying to make that case. No, I'm for just sure. I'm saying, you know, this is what it is. And Ian, I would ask you, uh, given the amount of money that, that Tuit is making, um, is there a certain amount of pressure on him? Uh, I mean, I, it's, it's a rhetorical question in a way, but it, d- does he have a, a, a little bit more pressure on him than, say, another, other guys would in similar situations? I mean, I think there's there's absolutely pressure. The one point I'll make is that given the number of restructurings the Steelers have done with him, mm-hmm. it's increasingly difficult to – uh, move on from his contract. So Ben's absolutely right that, you know, he's a fantastic player when he's on the field, but he's just yeah. hasn't been available for them lately. So, you know, the, the old sort of truism of your best abilities, your availability that, you know, to <laughs> it hasn't, hasn't been available. Um, but at the same time, um, they can't cut him this year, obviously. No. Uh, and actually, you know, from a cap perspective, yeah. Um, cutting him this year would increase their cap instead of decrease it. Um, but uh, you know, even even looking to next year, I mean, he's set to count uh, almost fifteen million against the cap, and they would only save about three by cutting him. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, the 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 thing we talked about with Vance McDonald this year, right? The you know the the sort of opportunity cost of you can't get a guy for what you would save that can replicate what he can do. So you got to pay him whatever you're going to pay him is basically, um, you know, kind of where they are with Tua for the next two years that they, they gave him money and he's performed like a guy who deserves that contract when he's on the field. He just hasn't been on the field. I mean, can you imagine the way to it started last year? If he'd been on the field <laughs> the entire rest of the season, I mean, this defense this year has the potential to be better than last year's was, even though they lost Hargrave. Right. Yeah. Oh, I agree with you. If they can all stay healthy, but yeah, right. Well, that yeah, we we know that's always the the big if. Um, but it, you know, in, in speaking of that, let me just address uh, the depth on the defensive line. Um, Tyson Alalu has been a very solid signing. I think he's he's been a spot starter. He has uh, played really important minutes at times as a reserve. Um, you know, in his thirties now, of course, I think he's been solid, but you know, when you get past that, they traded for Chris Wormley. We really don't know what the plan is. I mean, I, do you guys, Ben, do you find it interesting that, that he's listed as a nose tackle uh, on the roster at all? I, I guess I didn't see him as that at first. I do not see him as a nose tackle at all. Yeah. Um, so I do find it interesting. I'm, I'm kind of wondering how they're going to use him. Uh, I don't, pay a lot of attention to where players listed at this point though. True. Um, I kind of let things play out through the course of the preseason and see where, you know, ultimately where the coaches put them and, and how they play them, how they're utilized. And mm-hmm. then I, I kind of, you know, make judgments based upon that. Sure. I found it odd um, for certain, you know, but uh, was it last year? Um Oh, it escapes me. You think of somebody in particular? Yeah. Um, they moved Marcus Allen to strong safety on the death chart last year in the preseason, mm-hmm. and they they never played him there. 
Um, that was something else. Anyway, yeah, well, there's an example. I mean, Marcus Allen yeah. was supposed to be a strong safety going into – oh, linebacker. Uh, That's he right. He was supposed to be a strong safety and a linebacker going into the the preseason, and they played him at free safety the whole preseason. So it's like why why even – pay attention to it until you actually see what they do with the, with the guy, you know? Yeah. Well, um, to me, it's just curious. I, I, you know, um, much in the same way, a lot of coaches will, will, especially at high school and college levels, they'll beef up a guy's weight or his height just to make it look better. Um, you, you wonder why they position these guys in rosters the ways that they do that. Cause Wormley just doesn't strike me as a nose by any sort of the imagination, but uh, again, He's too long. He's too yeah, tall. Yeah, exactly. Very long guy. Um, so I, I, I don't know. Um, you know, he's high waisted. He's not. He's not a guy you typically put at the nose that is stout at the point of attack. You know, right. he's he's a penetrating interior defensive lineman. Yeah. So I mean, I, that, I don't that know. was his role in Michigan. I, that's why I was. You know, I had a little bit of familiarity with him um because of that but i, I just immediately uh in ian before you start with your smack talk i don't need any of that tonight uh, <laughs> <laughs> who said i was gonna smack talk michigan well I, I i stupidly brought up michigan so i figured out oh, geez ian's just sitting there like a devil on my shoulder calculating what he can come up with to slam michigan not that it wouldn't be totally deserved um, but the, I the one the one little thing that that yeah. concerned me a little bit after they traded for Wormley mm-hmm. was his age. It's not that he's real old. I just didn't realize in his third, you know, he's got three years on his behind him. He's he's already twenty seven. It's like why? Okay, well, I mean, you just you burned a you burned a five on a guy who's five. not going to get you. You know, he's only got one year left on his contract. That's the first thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's one of those guys they want to try to extend, maybe, um, and maybe not. But yeah. uh, you know that that's a guy you want to look at at least, see how he fits in your system, right. and then maybe extend him if he if he really fits well. But the, you're not going to have a whole lot of time to do that because they don't negotiate deals during the season. Um, but yeah, I I don't see him. I mean, he's he's 300 pounds, but he's six five. Yeah, he, yeah. I mean, you, you, if you haven't seen Chris Wormley, you just have to watch him on tape. You have to see him. I, I mean, he does not look anything like a nose tackle. Trust me. Nah. Um, he, he, Casey Hampton is not worried. Let's put it that way. Uh, <laughs> I mean, he doesn't look anything like Casey Hampton. Um, guys, there's there's two more uh, subjects I want to uh, subjects I want to talk about before we depart for the evening. Um, and, and the first of which I find to be of the utmost importance. And that is that apparently the Ben Roethlisberger Twitter feed is going to unblock everyone that they've blocked. And I don't know about you guys, but I have lost sleep over this. Um, You're so you know. full of shit. <laughs> I just, it just cracks me up. Pro Football Talk did an article on this that that I, I mean, really that that's what an article is worthy of. Well, these they've days? done a, they've done uh, at least a dozen other articles about how Ben blocks people. I I, I mean, touche. Yeah, you know, that's one of the things that that people hate about bloggers is all of the nonsensical BS articles they write because. Yep. They need to generate content. 
I, uh, anyway, yeah. um, we're not getting rich here at Steel City Blitz, so we're you know, not putting that kind of crap out. I suggest, Mark, that you you educate Aaron on the use of both the mute button and the mute conversation function because yeah, it isn't so much the people that are mean because she can mute them right away. Yeah, it's yeah. the people that are going to respond to the people that are mean and the ongoing conversations and yeah. the long threads that's going to generate when everybody gets unblocked. I I would point that out to her and just send her some screenshots. Oh, she knows. Trust me. Oh, good. <laughs> we we had a nice conversation. Uh, now, Ian, I would be I would be very remiss if I didn't mention some of your thoughts earlier today. <laughs> <laughs> so, at the, yeah, at, at the idea of, of of Ben actually reading Ben Roethlisberger reading the the Twitter feed. Uh, I'll let you take it from there. <laughs> I, I I will I will lead off with I will be stunned if Ben actually reads his Twitter right. feed, which I ex- fully right. expect that he will not do. No. That being said, um, we know that Ben uh, has heard criticism of his play in the past from local media outlets and oh, yeah. made snide comments about said criticism in post game interviews. You know, saying things like, "Oh, maybe I should retire," or "Oh, I guess this old man still has it after he put up like six touchdowns on was it the Ravens a couple years ago? Uh, Ravens once it was five and touchdowns on the Ravens. Five touchdowns, yeah, yeah. yeah. And that was kind of after that Jacksonville game when you know people were like, "Oh, maybe he's washed up and should retire." And yep. then he went out and did that, and he was like, "Oh, maybe you know, maybe the old man still got something." So you know, he's he's definitely heard. Uh, uh, criticism but it's just kind of hilarious to me if you know he would go into a post-game press conference and be you know just reading ba- basically you know those saturday night live segments where people read <laughs> tweets like hate tweets about themselves you know if he's like well this person said this so i went out and you know threw two touchdowns right. for that and this person said this and I, you know made sure james connor got his hundred yards and oh, this person thinks we should trade juju and you know we got juju a buck 50 and two touchdowns and you know uh, he won't do it but the the mental image of, of oh it's know, comical a, a snide yeah. sarcastic ben coming out and just calling people out is pretty hilarious yeah no i i agree with you um on, on a more serious note um you know you you guys alluded to the fact that you know a lot of contractual stuff going on and and you know juju enters the final year of his contract and um, you know, is it possible, Ben, that that Deontay Johnson has a massive year? Um, because he had a pretty damn good year his rookie season, and then we find out that he was pretty much playing hurt most of the season too, which made it that much more uh amazing, quite frankly. Um, you know, do do you what, what kind of year do you think he has? Just as we sit here in June, of course. I think it's more than possible. I think it's likely that he has a really good year. Um, I he just he runs routes so well. He his, does. He creates separation so naturally, so easily that I think he ends up having a, a big year. And by, I'm not saying he's going to lead the team in yardage or receptions, mm-hmm. but because you know you, there's there's it's a marathon and, and, you know, Juju also really excels at the slot where he's going one-on-one against a nickelback or a linebacker. And they're, they're going to play him. Obviously most of it's his snaps in the slot this year, unless they've got two wide receivers in the field, in which case he'll line up on the outside. But I just think he's going to do an awful lot of damage in the slot, especially early in the season. 
And then when Deontay kind of establishes a foothold and a rapport with Ben, toward the end of the year, it would not shock me at all if it is very evident that he is mm-hmm. the number one receiver in December. Well, you know, we, we saw what Juju could do when there was a lot of attention on AB, and um, maybe the same thing happens there. I, Ian, what, what do you view in terms of Deontay Johnson at this early stage? Yeah, so, I, I mean, everything Ben said is right. I'll also add that Johnson led the team in targets last year. Um, you know, take that for what it's worth, but he had mm-hmm, 92 mm-hmm. targets. Um, James Washington was second with 80, and Juju was third with 70 with terrible now, quarterbacks very the, terrible terrible quarterbacks right but you know the even with terrible terrible quarterback play <laughs> you know i mean we talked a lot about mason rudolph was waiting for guys to be college open right before he threw yeah. the ball he wasn't yeah. he wasn't throwing guys open and for deontay johnson to lead the team in targets also means that he's getting open um so that's a very good sign the other thing i'll add is that Basically, the, the year before, when Ben Roethlisberger was fully healthy with both mm-hmm. Antonio Brown and Juju Smith-Schuster in the lineup, they both had over 160 targets wow. each. So wow. c- consider that you went from 2018, where your top two receivers both had 160-plus targets, to 2019, where Deontay Johnson had 92 as your top one, and James Washington had 80 as your second one. Um, you know, just imagine another, you know, I mean, maybe they don't throw the ball as much with Ben coming back from elbow surgery. Mm-hmm. Maybe they try and run the ball more. But nevertheless, just imagine another 100 to 150 targets thrown around the field for, you know, Johnson, Washington, Juju, Connor out of the backfield, Vance, Claypool, Ebron. Like, when you start to think, like, how are there going to be enough balls for these guys? Like, you have to realize, oh, there weren't that many passes thrown last year. And part of that was they couldn't sustain drives. They couldn't pick up third downs. So when you're going three and out or getting one first down and punting, mm-hmm. then you're not, you just don't have as many offensive plays during games. And that was one of the things that, you know, really hindered the offense last year was they went three and out so much early in the game that they never got into a rhythm. So then when they had to put a drive together, it was exceedingly difficult for them because they just weren't in sync with each other. And the target numbers bear that out. The play numbers bear that out. I mean, the quarterback play we've talked about ad nauseum, but you know, just having been back there and able to pick up third downs and continue drives is going to create a lot more opportunities for people as well. You figure, you know, maybe that's another carry or two for a running back. Maybe that's another target or two for a couple guys. So, you know, just, Converting one third down creates a lot more opportunities too. Um, yeah, and it also makes the defense better because they're not going to be on the field as long. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And uh, you know, I I also wanted to mention real quick. I don't know if you guys saw this today, but uh, Ian, you mentioned Chase Claypool. You know, now this is a guy that's about six three, two hundred and thirty pounds. Did Did you happen to see him doing the the back handsprings and cartwheels and stuff? I did. And, yes. I, I mean. I first of all, I was I, I think I pulled a hammy just watching it, but that's pretty impressive for a guy that size uh, to do all that, quite frankly. Maybe, maybe I'm easily impressed. I don't know. Um, but I, I was pretty impressed by it. That That's that's a big dude doing some really, really athletic stuff there. 
Um, anyway, uh, guys, as always, it was great to get back with you and, uh, we'll, uh, definitely become more regular now as we get going and, and perhaps, uh, pull a few interviews in here, uh, once in a while. Of course, I know the crowd's, uh, you know, bantering for Ellie to come back on, but you know, she's, she's busy cooking tonight. Uh, I don't okay. know if you guys, yeah, if you follow her, uh, Ellie on social media, she was uh, busy cooking, I think for her dad or something. And, uh, her two dogs were watching quite enviously. I think enviously is a word. If it's not, I just made it up. Um, in any case, yeah. So we'll uh, we'll have a few more guests coming down the pike. But uh, we will now depart for this evening. And uh, for Ben and Ian, and this is Steel Dad signing off on the Steel City Blitz Steelers podcast presented by Deck Roofing Incorporated of South Florida. And hey, go Steelers. Ravens suck. <laughs>